0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. O, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. (laughs) Goodbye, University. Welcome, everyone, to our monthly LOA book club at GVU. I'm Jeanette, and today I've got a couple of books to share about, one really just to focus on, Um, but before I dive in with what I wanted to share, I'd love to hear a hello from those who are joining us today. I know Nancy's here. Hey
1: there, Jeanette, and everybody on the call. Thanks for joining
0: us today. And is Ming also here? I'm here. I hope so, because you read the book too, right? (laughs) I did. Yay! I love it when there's someone I can talk to who's read it, too. Yay. Thanks for being here, Ming. And, um, Giam, I see is dialed in. Hello, my friend.
1: Stephanie. Yeah, yep. Hi, Jeanette. Hi, everyone.
0: Nice to hear your voice again. Thank you. And who else is here? Cindy? Hi. Cindy's here. Yay! <laughs> and who's Oregon? Larry. Larry! We haven't heard you in forever. How have you been?
1: Oh, up and down.
0: <laughs> well, I hope today's an up day after you <laughs> you plug into us. Hopefully it will be on the upswing with our conversation today as I start with the talk about disaster. Now, seriously, you guys, I just want to mention it briefly only because I love this book so much, but The Unthinkable by, oh, I just put the link in chat room, Amanda, oh, what's her name? Amanda Ripley, The Unthinkable, Who Survives When Disaster Strikes and Why. That might not sound very uplifting, Larry, but I really loved this book. It was really, really fun. It's not an LOA book, necessarily. I mean, I prefer to bring books that are, you know, focused on something along those lines. This one, I have no idea why it spoke to me. Maybe. It might be my Scorpio moon. Really liked it. I don't know. But I really enjoyed it. I read that book and felt um, the stories were amazing. She's an excellent writer, fabulous stories. And uh, I also, through the process uh, of hearing about how others managed life when it was really challenging, I felt more empowered. I felt more confident. It felt like fear would have a tougher time finding a hold in me after reading that book. So I just wanted to give it a thumbs up. If, although I would not necessarily recommend it. This book is probably not reading for everyone, but I personally loved it and wouldn't feel right if I didn't mention it. So that's as much as I want to say about that one. But what I really wanted to focus on today was The Vow-Powered Life. The subtitle is A Simple Method for Living with Purpose by Jan chosen um who also wrote Mindfulness on the Go. Uh, I, I just ran across this one at the... At the bookstore uh i didn't go looking for it i was just browsing and saw it and i decided when i saw a couple of uh sentences in here about the difference between vows and goals and intentions that this might be worth studying how this author makes the distinction between those and i was surprised at how much i enjoyed what she had to share um it does feel like it was very much in alignment with uh, with what a conscious creator might practice. And uh, yeah, that's so that's what I really wanted to spend the bulk of my time on sharing in today's. And of course, we'll hear from everyone else who's got a book to share about. So does it, who wants to go first? Since I already shared about the unthinkable.
1: <laughs> well, I can share my thoughts about what I like about the vow book, if you want oh, me to. Oh, that'd now. be great,
0: Ming. Thanks.
1: Okay, um, I guess when you posted about it in the forums, I happened to see the post, which was great because sometimes I don't see something, and I, I don't know something about it caught my eye, and I don't know why, but I had to buy the book, so I did, and um, I guess what it was is because I kind of wanted to know what she, the author, meant by a vow, and. Cause you know, the obvious one in the book they talk about is a marriage vow, right? And so I kind of thought, you know, hmm, I kind of broke mine. So I wonder what that means, right? But I was so happy to see that, you know, what she said about the divorce, the marriage vow actually how it, how it evolves and how it's energy and how we take it on and it can change. And it doesn't mean that the vow ended because you get a divorce that actually you can still, you know, um, mm-hmm. Send love Just to him, the means right? For it,
0: honoring those vows. right? And change. honoring
1: it, and saying, and being happy that he moved on, and we did that, didn't we? So, so that that was cool. And then the other thing is, um, when I got my doctorate degree in pharmacy, I had to do a vow, and it was you did, it, yeah.
0: Say and more. I took,
1: it, I took it extremely seriously. <laughs>
0: what do you mean they make you take a vow, like
1: is it yeah, like a uh,
0: Hippocratic oath or something, or what? Yeah, very similar
1: to that. Very, very, very similar. And, um, I remember standing there and doing it, and I remember thinking my parents were there. my brother was like, a public and,
0: vow, wow, yes,
1: yes, And I forgot all about it until I was reading this book and i thought and but I'm conscious of it because when i when i'm doing when I'm working and I'm doing consults consults and stuff, I mean it's in the back of my mind, you know, so i mean well, what i what I promise to do and how you know to be be honest about what I'm doing with my work and being a pharmacist and blah, blah, blah. And I realized a lot of people don't, I mean, hello, we said it all together, my class, and then you found out this person actually started, you know, stealing and started, you know, and I kind of thought, wow, they didn't really, like, pay much attention to that vow that they took. <laughs> mm. And then... um I yeah. like in the
0: book how she talked about the ritual or the ceremony around vows. And, you know, obviously marriage vows are probably the most common ones, but I love I love that you experience that professionally as well. It feels to me like, like it raises it to another level of importance or it makes it more significant somehow to have that kind of ceremony around it. I, I, I like yeah. in the book how she suggested, you know, you can create your own ceremony for this, as well, you know, you don't have to necessarily have a have everyone come over and speak your vows publicly. But there are other ways that you can um, really make it an event in order to yeah. engage one.
1: Yeah, And then I love the part about how she said that the vows don't die with the person, but it moves through time. I would never heard that before. I thought that was just so fascinating.
0: I and marked how- those pages to me not necessarily to share here today but like the idea you guys she was talking about how she was born was it right uh, just a couple days after or she was born and then a couple days later when the bomb was dropped on japan and she Mm -hmm. she talks about how she thinks some of that stuff got in her (laughs) because she just has this she has dedicated a lot of her life to things that have to do with peace and Japan, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it
0: was very, it was really interesting. It kind of reminded me of, of how Liz Gilbert talks about how ideas are alive, and mm-hmm. they will, um, you know, find whoever can bring them to life.
1: And yeah, yeah, it was cool. And how she says your vow lies within you, and then she goes through some exercises on if you want to, if you're trying to find out what what it is that it is. But um, I liked. I like the part about, you know, where she says that they're all important, and we can have mini vows that just, like, last a minute, or you can have ones that are more, you know, bigger. And and I started realizing that, yeah, that's kind of like we do – we see them. She says once you start consciously thinking about them, you'll start seeing them everywhere, and that, that started happening with me. I said, oh, yeah, there's somebody doing – you know, taking it. And I like the fact that they said – she said, "If you take your vow seriously, then your vow will take you seriously, and it will bring you things, bring bring into light what it is that you're, you know, you want to work with." That was cool, right? Yeah,
0: let's go. Let's go to the beginning and um sh- and share with everyone else here what she means by vows. I'm reading from the introduction where she says, uh, "Vows simply channel energy." She said, "In this book, I purposely use the word vows instead of its synonyms. Promises are too easily broken." Intentions may be good, but are too easily deflected. Oath has a medieval military flavor. Psychologists use the terms goal and strivings in the growing body of research that links a clear set of vows, particularly vows with a spiritual basis, with physical and emotional health and increased satisfaction in life. Um, wow, where's the end parentheses on that? Wow, she doesn't have one, editor. So she said, a deep life purpose as a way to define vows, comes even closer. My husband coined the term heart's deepest aspiration, which is the closest to a definition for vow as we use it. She said the word vow represents the actual power of a bundle of energy purposely formed, aimed, and propelled through time. This book unfolds a broader meaning of the word vow than you'll find in the dictionary. We look at the taking of a vow as the engine that drives human aspiration, advancement, and accomplishment. Wow, I love this. We look at each human life as a connected series of vow-led journeys, whether those journeys are short jaunts or lifelong voyages. And she said some goals, you might call them mini-vows, are small and last only a minute, such as the mm-hmm. goal of finding something to drink when you're thirsty. Some of our vows are impossibly large and must be passed on to future generations. I love the section where she, she addressed impossible vows. In fact, I heard one the other day. I was at lunch with um, a colleague who was talking about how she was going to, she was engaging an impossible task, but she was going to do it anyway. So it, that's exactly how she put it. She said, It's impossible and I'm going to do it anyway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love the way she said that because the way I heard it was, They say it can't be done and I'm going to do it anyway. But I, the way she might have meant it was, they say I can't succeed, but I'm going to try anyway. But regardless, I the the section on impossible vows felt really important, felt really, really important. I, I don't know if that we'll get to that, but um, a couple other things I wanted to share from her chapter one about vows. She says they act like a conduit for our life energy. If we do not have a clear and underlying purpose for our life, our life energy can become scattered and subject to being frittered away. Vows prevent us from reaching the end of our life and looking back with the sad question, What happened? How did I end up here? I kind of feel like there are a lot of books written on exactly this topic, except they talk about life purpose instead of vows and for some reason, I really appreciated her take on it just the what she said earlier about how vow has it the word has a different energy i could I responded to that. I know everyone probably uh reacts to different words in different ways, but I resonated with what she shared. Also in chapter one about vows, she says vows also act like a gyroscope. A gyroscope is a device that helps to maintain the upright orientation of a ship or airplane. Is a gyroscope it's a gyroscope, right? Or a gyroscope. What's it how do you say it?
1: I think a gyroscope, yeah.
0: Gyroscope? I think it's gyroscope, yeah. Whatever it is. Is that Lise? <laughs> that Lise. Lise is here, yay. So she says it's a device that helps to maintain the upright orientation of a ship or plane, regardless of the of the motion of the vehicle. It stabilizes the vessel, keeps it upright. Um, when difficulties arise in our life, it is easy to become confused, frozen in indecision or depression. Hello, that was the last book I read uh, to lose track of where we were headed and to begin to wander aimlessly. Wow, interesting I didn't really see how these two books were connected. Maybe they are more so than I realized. Um, Recollecting our vows can like or whatever it is, help us regain our equilibrium so that we can move back to our life path again. It And again, I think you could use life purpose. You might even be able to use the term core values, maybe, um, in place of what she's talking about here. Love where she said, you cannot discover your vows by thinking. Your vow lies within you. It was mm-hmm. born into the world as you were born. That's cool. Yeah, She gave the example know. of Gandhi. Who vowed to practice nonviolence and to speak the truth? Oh, she talks about the difference between uh, how we get our vows. Reactive vows are made in reaction to difficult situation, often early in life. Uh, you know, a lot of people who have vowed not to drink because they were raised by alcoholics. That would be an example of a reactive vow. Inherited vows, those positive aspirations we take on from our family or mentors. Oh my gosh, like that video. Oh, you guys probably haven't seen it. There was a I posted it in in a Facebook group for the coaches where this woman started a ballet performance out in Death Valley. I don't know how many years ago Death Valley, population ten, she sets up like an opera house here, and she and she performed, and very often she performed to an audience of none. But she did. She just felt called to. So she totally did. She, she painted this beautiful theater. And sometimes people come. <laughs> and then, um, and one day, someone, a little girl went. She was camping with her family, and they saw the sign that said, Performance Tonight. So they went to go see this ballet performance. And it made this girl want to take up ballet. And eventually, this girl came to study with her. And now she's carry on, carrying on her work. That's an example of an inherited vow um, another example is an inspired vow made in response to seeing or learning about someone we come to admire. And uh, t- 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 is there another kind, Ming? She has more than three kinds of those, right? Maybe not. Um, Different kinds of heaven. vows. Yeah. So I, w- I like, though, how she said this is something that you don't think about or decide it's, like, already in you. It's something mm-hmm. you could, like, meditate on to discover so, all right, inherited, inspired, reactive vows. Yeah, I, don't, I think that's the three, main, three ones she was talking about. Um, oh, there's also overreactive vows. I knew there was another one. Uh, she, I lead workshops on mindful eating at our monastery. During these workshops, we hear many stories of vows that are overreactive and have had difficult or harmful consequences. People who lived through the Holocaust may hoard food out of a vow never to be without something to eat. They maybe become upset if their grandchildren leave food on the plate. She tells some stories about sometimes, uh, oh yeah, and reactive vows to people. Um, all right, what else do I want to share? Her next chapter is on help in forming vows, like how to discover yours. Uh, she's got a little section here on the bucket list or the question, the tombstone test. You know, the dash between your years. We've all heard that before. Or if a doctor told you you only had five years to live. You know, what would, how would you want to invest your time? Mission statements. She talks about that, like you can make them for yourself personally. Uh, she says, vows help us allocate our resources, time, money, and skills in a consistent manner. They inspire us to try and accomplish things beyond what we may have thought possible, learning a new language, starting a business or a charity, going on a mission abroad, raising grandchildren, or sitting still and exploring our mind in a 10-day silent retreat. And like mission statements, vows are only helpful if they change our behavior. I wondered about that. I understand what she means, but I did wonder if that was true. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so in Chapter 4 on maintaining vows, she shares an example from Ben Franklin. She said in 1733, when he was 27, he Ben Franklin undertook the vow to attain moral perfection. Although he had received only two years of schooling, he was unusually intelligent, da 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 He applied himself wholeheartedly. Okay, so here he is. Um, With characteristic diligence, he decided to live a fault-free life. He studied various writings on the subject and compiled a list of 13 essential virtues. Have you guys heard of these before from Ben Franklin? You might recognize because it includes maintaining temperance with food and drink, maintaining silence unless what you say will benefit others, maintaining order in your physical environment, holding firm resolution to what you should do without fail, being frugal, being industrious, exhibiting sincerity, upholding justice, maintaining moderation, upholding cleanliness, exhibiting tranquility, maintaining chastity, and being humble. So he made a notebook with, with a page for each virtue and undertook a discipline of paying special attention to one virtue each week. At the end of each day, he performed a review of each of the 13 virtues. and he, So he's tracking the stuff. He's penciling in a mark for every time he had not succeeded in upholding the quality and he planned to do four complete cycles uh, of the 13 virtues in one year. And he said he, he was quite surprised to find myself so much fuller of faults than I had imagined. <laughs> uh, but, he, but he says he did make progress. And um, these guys, she talks about once our students have formulated life vows, we recommend that they begin each day by reciting their vows and asking for help in fulfilling them. I liked both of those. Start the day by re- reminding yourself what your vows are, and ask for help in fulfilling them. She said, I do this when I first sit down to meditate. I take a few minutes to settle my mind by following my breath and then silently saying my vows. I don't stick to a rigid formula. The wording morphs slowly and naturally over time, but it sets the course of the day in a beneficial direction and to catalyze the appearance of assistance in surprising forms. I like that. Um, and so she gives some exercises that you could maybe use to play with your vows. Oh, I got so excited every time she would say something about herself or someone else. Like uh, she says, I have devoted some energy to my fifth vow. And then she talks later on about her seventh vow. And I just loved how clear she was about these commitments she had made to herself and her life. Like she refers to them as my my ex-vow. She There was a nun who talked about her three vows that made me want to get that kind of clarity for my own self. I got seriously inspired to engage this. So, um, In Tibet, when you begin a spiritual practice, you ask for the gift of influence from the ancestors. This is called taking refuge in the lineage. I really like that. This is in her section on how you ask for help with your vows. She said, the point is not whom we ask, but that we ask. And she means that in a pretty wide way. It was very cool. Ooh, boy, this is a lot of underlining. What's going on here? Simply, what really impressed me there, what really impressed me there, oh, she was visiting a branch of a monastery in Thailand. What really impressed me there was how powerful a presence that group of people had. Ooh, made me think of GBU a little bit. Simply knowing on my own that it would, be good thing, it would be good for me to meditate and practice yoga or stop drinking and smoking did not have the same impact in helping me to break my habits and to resist the influence of social norms. I just did not have the clarity of mind to sustain a true and honest spiritual perspective. But suddenly, being in a place where people had given up all the things that I was trying to give up and were doing all the things that I was trying to do, it felt rather like having been lost in the wilderness. And then stepping onto a bus that was heading in the right direction. At last, I did not have to struggle on my own. To develop in the spiritual life, we need the support of companions. Without that, we tend to drift or sink. It really made me think of the value of, you know, who you hang out with and setting yourself up for success in, in what seems like a really simple way. Um, in China and Japan, it is common for people to buy a token and dedicate it at a temple when they make a vow. Oh, this is her section on, like, uh, yeah. Once people have clarified their vows, they can paint them on a stone or a ceramic plaque, place them at the shrine, say their vow out loud, and ring a bell. She has a couple of exercises for how you might, like, formally or officially take on your own vows. And then, that's about half the book. The rest of it, she talks about the challenges that vows present. She says... They are life vows, and, and therefore they are alive. As our life changes, our vows grow and adapt too. Ooh, mm-hmm. and, and this is the nun who took. She took three vows. Her three primary religious vows were poverty, chastity, and obedience. But then earlier she had talked about how you know each vow could have sub vows or mini vows. Like for for one of mine, I was thinking one of mine. I'm just still entertaining. I haven't gotten official yet, but to use my creative powers for good. Some of the sub-vows of that might be to um, speak well of others. As inspired by Neville, only say things that you actually really want to have happen. So I've got ai like that idea of one overall vow and how there could be other ways. Sometimes I – me mean, remember when she was talking about the means to the vow? Like you want, mm-hmm. you've got to make a distinction between the vow and the means of carrying out the vow because mm-hmm. sometimes if you get too attached to one – like if your vow is to – Um, raise your children in a loving family. And, oh, and she also talks about conflicting vows. Like you've also taken a marriage vow, and then maybe say your husband turns into an abusive alcoholic, and you feel like your children are no longer being raised in a safe, loving environment. Like um, how to honor those vows. Like the means that you were using to carry out those vows may shift. You know, you may, a separation may be how you honor your vow to raise your children in a loving environment. It was, it, it's, I'm glad she devoted some time because I could see how some guidance around when, as life changes, how to still honor the vows or, you know, whether it's time to change them. Um, and she, you know, she talks about like people who mistake their job for their life purpose. She says a job is not the purpose. It is the means to carry out that purpose. And when your job changes or ends, you can find a new way to carry out that purpose. And sometimes, you know, there may be some repair work to do in keeping your vow. If we've taken on a big vow, we may not be able to manifest it in a certain difficult moment, but we can recall it and be guided by it as we ponder what repair work to do. Oh, She told the story of a guy who got mad at the bank teller because he couldn't get his check cashed and he said some mean things and stormed out. Mm -hmm. And um, he had a vow of, like, peacefulness or kindness or something. And um, when he got home and he thought about it, he realized he hadn't kept his vow. He went back the next day and apologized to the teller.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Cool way to honor the vow. Okay, so um, I think that's kind of all I really – when we face the possibility of breaking a vow, it is important to investigate whether that vow is actually a vow or a means. Ooh, yeah. She had some good stories on that one, too. And then she's got a whole chapter on the vows of relationships. And, ooh, I was just telling Cindy about this earlier. I had a coach session with Cindy today, which was fabulous. Cindy was my coach. And I was sharing about how um, this section in the book, she says, what if you have broken a vow? In this case, the vow to love and honor someone as long as you both shall live. I suggest that even if you have divorced, you still love that person. She says, the strength of your original love for him or her may have reversed its polarity, and you may experience it as anger. The aversion, the anger, was perhaps necessary for you to be able to separate, but it is still the energy of love just mm-hmm. turned inside out. It is like a swimmer who reaches the end of a lap and must push off the wall hard in order to turn the forward momentum around and swim off in the opposite direction. I really liked that. Was really- yeah,
1: I love that too.
0: Yeah. Um, she suggests maybe taking divorce vows. <laughs> like, uh, could you write uh, one or two divorce vows, ways to love and honor your ex-partner at a distance? What do you think you could promise in a, it, like maybe, you know, to speak well of each other in front of children, you know, and to support each other's well-being, even if it's just for sake of the kids? Um, yeah. I, I So thumbs up for me on this book. I was I was pretty inspired by her take on the energy that that is inherent in taking a vow. And it made me really excited to find a way to do that. Ming, is there anything, any other thoughts you wanted to share on this?
1: No, you covered it all. You you were, all your favorites were my favorites.
0: <laughs> I love well, that the vows are, are energy
1: and that they're alive and that they are grow and they
0: adapt as we change and
1: I think that was my most favorite part of the whole book. Was... I really
0: liked her part on impossible vows, where, where she, would, oh, she she starts this section off with a chant, a chant that's recited every day at most Zen temples throughout the world. It says, beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. The enlightened way is unsurpassable, I vow to become it. She says, when you first read these vows, you might be puzzled. They are written in the language of the impossible. They admit they are impossible, using words like numberless, inexhaustible, boundless, unsurpassable. How can we vow to accomplish what we know to be impossible? She says, this is a serious question. Should we only take on vows we know we will be able to accomplish and then be able to cross off our to-do list with the smile of satisfaction? (laughs) Or could we dare to vow an impossible (laughs) vow? I really like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she gave some examples of impossible vows. I'm just going to put the book down now. (laughs) I really like it. I was surprised how much I liked it. I was hoping to get maybe one or two cool things from it. I really was inspired by it. Mm -hmm. Has anyone else here read it or are me and Ming the only ones who are familiar with it? Yeah, Nancy in chat room says uh, Jan Chilton Bay has written a lot of Zen-type books. It's actually, it's one of her vows. <laughs> how do you like that? I think she, it was something like, was it seven to nine, Ming, that she said she had?
1: Yeah. I think. Yeah.
0: Oh, here's yeah. her vows. So she has seven vows, and um, here's hers. Okay, so my first vow is to become fully enlightened, no matter how long this takes. I vow never to turn back from the path to enlightenment. I get the impression, Ming, when she says, no matter how long this takes, she's talking multiple lifetimes. Yeah. My second vow is to help others to reveal their own enlightenment. My third vow is to establish a great vow Zen monastery as a place of peace, beauty, and spiritual renewal. My fourth vow is to establish the Heart of Wisdom Zen temple as a place of refuge in the city. My fifth vow is to raise at least several clear... Oh, I like this one. To I thought she was going to say kids. No, my fifth vow is to raise at least several clear, strong students who will continue to give the gift of Dharma for many generations to come. She uses a lot of examples of people. I just love that ballerina one, too. I wish I'd have shared that video more widely. I'll post it at GVU. Um My sixth vow is to write two to seven more books to support others in their spiritual life and practice. And my seventh vow is to support my Dharma family and my biological family to help them reach their highest potentials for happiness and for benefiting others in their lifetimes. I don't want seven vows. I was thinking... You know what I was thinking, Ming? You know those rocks we bought? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of thinking how cool it would be if I used those rocks, because I, I bought those rocks with the intention, well, first of all, they're gorgeous, but also as like a, a meditation focus. I uh-huh. kind of like the idea of associating each one with a different vow and somehow using that in my in my practice to remind myself of my commitment somehow. Ooh, I was thinking nice. three vows would be cool, but I have four rocks. <laughs> so, <laughs> Still shorten this out, and I'm and I'm also cognizant of how she said this isn't something you think about; it's just something more you realize. Right. Right. Obviously, one of mine is support the well-being of animals, however I can. Like if Mm -hmm. I can help, then I do. That's that's one I've already. I've in fact that's one that if I had been more clear about that in the beginning, I don't think I would have struggled with it as much as I did. Like when I'd be on my way to a movie, with a date, he's driving, and I see a cat in the parking lot of the movie theater, or a dog on the on the side of the road as we're driving, Who, you know, like, there were times when I really debated what to do, like, I wasn't clear, that kind of clarity, had I had that kind of, I know now, I know now, not mm-hmm. just, yes, do what you can, if you think you can do something, like, I don't have to drive for another three blocks before I turn around. And swing mm-hmm. back. Like, I pull over immediately. And I've learned that because sometimes by the time you turn around and come back, they'll be gone. Yeah. So I, I don't question it anymore. And and I used to feel kind of silly. I'd be walking on oh, college campus to class after the rain and in the morning. And there'd be a bazillion worms all over the sidewalk. And I'd be walking with my friend. And I would be like, oh, I really want to move all these worms off the sidewalk so they don't get stepped on. But I also don't want to be silly. You know what? I don't. I don't. I don't. I'll be silly. Well, I don't care what people think now. It's what I do.
1: <laughs> I move warm In the rain. Yep. Amen to
0: that. Yeah. Very, very. I I like the power of the of what she shared here and and what it means for me. So I know I'm going to have some fun with it. Who else has been reading something that they've been inspired by? Anyone else got a book or a video or a movie or a workshop to share? I love what I've been reading in the in the Hay House forum from those of you who have been tuning into some of those interviews, have been sharing some fun nuggets. I like Guillaume's vow in chat room. He says, here's a good vow for anyone. I vow to live an easy world for the rest of my life. <laughs> I like that, too. That's actually, um, yeah, not struggle or suffer. I haven't found the right wording for it yet, but a commitment to recognizing when I am doing that to release it. It's going to be in mind somewhere. Are we having a super short call today? Going once. Going twice. No one has anything to share that is inspiring them. All righty then. Well, thanks for joining today and um hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Wednesday and we'll see you in the forums. Bye everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you